I put together a homily for this weekend during the week and then came back to it on Saturday just to look at it and sometimes I rework it. And I was just looking at a reading and I'm like, this is a piece of crap. <laughs> so I pitched it and um, just kind of starting over. I want to talk to you about miracles and healings and praying for them and looking for them and expecting them. They're part of the Christian life. But I also want to talk to you about what's in the readings, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and how there's a formula there. And then also, I want to uh, take us through a spiritual exercise. So, the readings. Our first reading is from the book of, second book of Kings. And it's a story of the healing of the leprosy of Naaman. Now, Naaman is not an Israelite. He's not Jewish. He's Syrian. In fact, he is a general in the Syrian army. So he's a powerful person. He has leprosy, and no one in his own land is able to heal him. It's an incurable disease. So he hears about this prophet, Elisha, who's protege, the successor of Elijah. And that God's doing incredible things through this prophet from lowly Israel. So the first part of this formula is that he humbles himself. Here he is, this powerful general coming to this lowly prophet of a great nation and empire, the Syrians, to the Israelites. The second part of that is that Elisha then tells him, Go off and bathe yourself seven times in the River Jordan. And he objects to this. Because he comes from you know, the Mesopotamian region with the, these great rivers. I could have just stayed there and washed in the great river of Euphrates. But Jordan River? Nevertheless, as the prophet prescribed to him, and at the becking of his own servant, somebody who trusted, he goes and washes himself seven times in the, river, the little Jordan River. And he's healed. And what he does then is he comes back and he thanks this prophet of the God of Israel. He thanked him. And the final thing is that he then worships that's where he asked for, can I take seven mule, no, two mule loads of dirt from here now back to my land? So that he's no longer standing on his own soil as he worships the gods that are local to his regions, who are not gods at all. But he can stand upon the soil of Israel and worship the one true God. Now, another thing in this formula is, is that the way that he expected to be healed by great fanfare or struggle or trial or certainly in his own mighty river, none of that comes about the way that he expected to be healed. He was healed in a different way. Now jump to today's gospel. And Jesus heals a foreigner. 
a Samaritan. In fact, he heals ten. And he heals that foreigner not according to the way that the foreigner expects to be healed. You see, God, through Jesus, Son of God, says to these ten who present themselves as leopards, so as Jews were hearing Jesus tell this story, they're, they're going back to 2 Kings. Because everything that's going on in the Old Testament is being fulfilled in Jesus. And he says, listen, I'm not going to heal you the way that you expect. They're just coming to him saying, you know, have mercy on us, have pity on us. They want Jesus to touch him right then and there, heal him. But he says to them, go and show yourself to the priest. He puts them through a process, much like Elisha did with Naaman. And this process specifically comes from Leviticus, I think it's chapter 14 where there's specific prescriptions of when somebody has leprosy of what they're supposed to do when they think that they're healed. They go to their priest and they go through a series of steps in order to confirm that indeed they have been healed. So just like Naaman, who humbles himself, the Samaritan humbles himself before a Jew. And he follows the prescriptions of the law. And he goes off to present himself to the priest, not the way that he would want to be healed. And along the way, God heals him. And so what does he do? He comes back to Jesus, and he thanks him, and he worships him. We pick this up in Luke's Gospel because it says that he fell down at his feet. Well, that posture is one of prostration. He lays out in front of Jesus at his feet. This is a position of worship. He's recognizing Jesus as God, and he's worshiping him because in the ways in which God has chosen to heal him. Through Jesus Christ. Now, all this is important to us. Because sometimes when we pray, and we should be, and the scripture teaches us us in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that we should pray for miracles. We should pray for healings. For instance, for ourselves or for others. We should ask God to help us. And indeed, the scriptures show us sometimes that God helps us precisely in the ways that we ask him. But the scriptures also shows us that he helps us sometimes in ways that we do not expect. And sometimes when God heals us, he heals us directly. And sometimes he doesn't heal us not only not in the way that we don't expect, but he heals us in deeper ways. You see, what's going on in Naaman's life, a bodily healing, and then what is ten times more, ten lepers being healed, being healed, meaning in a way that they could never heal themselves because leprosy was, an was thought to be an incurable disease. That when God heals 
Sometimes he heals us in deeper ways. And that's really what all this is pointing to. Because the way that Jesus is going to heal us in the end, the greatest healing, the greatest miracle, is it's going to heal our souls. It's interesting. The early church fathers picked up on this. And when I mean the early church fathers, I mean like those saints and those martyrs, those, those bishops, those theologians, those men and women from the first five centuries of the church who are close to Jesus in time would have known the languages, the customs, the cultures, and all that kind of stuff. When they read these two readings, many of them often say that this is an allegory, these physical healings are an allegory to a much greater healing. The healing that comes to us and the forgiveness of our sins. So follow that. A physical leprosy, what does it do? It kills us. We suffer a great deal. It kills us. But also we know from these two stories that it separates us from one another. When somebody contracted leprosy, then they were removed from their family, their friends, people that are important to them, their their livelihood, but they're also removed from worship. That's why Jesus says, go back and show yourself to the priest. He's the one who would bring them back into the worshiping community. And so it is with sin. Sin kills us, not in a physical way. It does. But it kills us in a much greater way. It kills our souls, our spirits, so that unless Jesus gives us the miracle, the healing that comes from forgiveness of our sins, then not just our body corrupts, but our soul corrupts. And we're separated from worship of God. We can't worship Him properly. And we'll never be able to worship Him forever in heaven. But we're also here now separated from one another because of our sins, which have the effects not only hurting us, but hurting others. And when He heals us, He restores even those relationships let alone our ability to worship him. And when we follow that formula, that's exactly what Jesus is giving us, a formula through this life of how to deal with our sins, but also how to deal with our struggles, those things that are good in our lives and those things that are bad in our lives. That we should be praying for miracles, we should be praying for healings. But when we do that, we humble ourselves before the Lord. Meaning we state our need, we recognize our need for a Savior. And then we're willing to follow the prescriptions, to follow the way of life that He sets out before us. Even if it's not the way that we would choose. Even if we just want Him, like the lepers, just to say, be healed and move on. No, He says, go back to the priest. Go back to the community of believers. This is the way in which you're going to be healed. And when we follow that way of life, then that leads to a healing. Whether it's a healing that we wanted, or healing in another way, or whether He uses our condition to bring us to the greatest healing. But he doesn't heal us in the physical ways that we desire. In either case, what it should lead us to is worship of our God. 
Worship that he's healed us in the way that we want him to. Worship in that he's healed us in a different way. Or worship in that he's using the condition that we're going through in order to bring us to the fullness of healing that will only be realized in the resurrection. But along the way, it leads us to thanksgiving and an ability to worship him because we know and we believe and we trust That what is going on or not going on, God is a part of and he's redeeming us through it. I want you all to close your eyes. I want to end with that spiritual exercise. And I'm going to set it up for you. I, I, I want us to thank God and then let that thanksgiving lead to worship of God. For something that's good in our lives and something that we're maybe presently or have struggled with in the past. So the good, I'll give you an example. I'm going to spend, we'll do this for a couple of minutes. I'm going to spend a minute or so thanking God for a priest who has been a part of my life for many years and has been a mentor, a father figure to me. And how in that relationship, I've grown closer to the Lord. So I want you to think about something good in your life, a blessing in your life, a grace in your life, uh, something that's beautiful in your life. And of course, those are the things that are easy to thank God for. But let it then lead, lead you into worship, praising God for that person, that event, that relationship, that healing, that miracle. So think about that. The second thing is, I want you to think about, and this is something that we don't often do, or maybe we do do, maybe we've been taught this. Think about something that is difficult in your life, a present hardship or a past struggle, or an ongoing suffering. Maybe it's a loss of health, or job, or maybe even a sin that God can take and heal you in by forgiving you of, and bringing you to thanksgiving and worship because he's redeemer. So I just want you to think about that. For me, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about my back. I, 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 I'm having some chronic pain. It's been going on for months. I, of course, I've been praying for healing. I've been praying for a miracle. I've also been going to doctors. I'm doing all that kind of stuff. God's not healing me in the way that I want him to heal me. But I'm asking him, and I'm asking you use it the way you want to use it. It's humbling me. It's bringing me empathy for other people who are struggling in chronic ways. I've never had a chronic pain. And I'm thanking God that that is connecting me to other people. It's causing me to, re, uh, to, to need him all the more, to call out to him. And that's leading me to thanksgiving. And Lord, let me even use that to worship you. So that's how I'm going to do it. I hope those serve as examples. I want you to think about those two ways, the good and the bad. And how God can use those to allow you to thank him, to fall in love with him more, and even to worship him.